Well, this morning, um, I'm, I'm just going to give a short message, and then I'm going to invite uh, those who are serving on the initiative of the tiny homes to come forward. And we're gonna, we've talked an awful lot about that, made mention of it in, in the weeks in the past, but we haven't uh, given details about this. And it's a huge endeavor for our community as we build 10 small homes down in south of town for those uh, to meet a very real need in our community. But, you know, when, when I go home to my hometown of Jamestown, New York, it's really special as I drive around the streets and look at the old homes and the memories and the old schools. And, you know, how many love going back to their hometown just to drive and maybe see relatives? It just brings an incredible amount of um, nostalgia to my heart anyway. And there are four kinds of homes in the Bible. As I was thinking about homes this past week, I thought, what is the theology of home in Scripture? And I determined that there are four kinds of homes. The first home is the home of our hearts, you know, where our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The second type of home is the house of God. We're here worshiping in the house of God or the church. Psalm 84 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And of course, they're talking about the temple. But today in these days, we celebrate together in church spaces like this. And then thirdly, there's the, our home in heaven. In John 14, Jesus said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so would I have to, not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And then finally, there's the home of our residence, you know, where we mow our lawns and, and plant our flower beds and vacuum the carpet. But is our physical home of residence all that important in Scripture compared to the other three especially? After all, didn't Jesus say, I have no place to lay my head? When he called his disciples, didn't he say, you have to be willing to leave your families and your homes and come and follow me? And so I wondered that question myself as I studied scripture this past week. And as I did uh, word searches on the word house or home. And I determined that the, the, the home of residence is vastly important in scripture for these reasons. A biblical home is the primary place, first of all, for spiritual training of our children and families. Consider 90% of Jesus' life on earth was spent in his hometown, in his home, with his parents, and then later with his mother, working in a carpenter shop. No doubt making furniture or other goods or fixing goods for homes in Nazareth. And his father poured many years into the life of Jesus, who was all his carpenter skills, so that he could make things that are temporary, if you will. Luke 2:51, when Jesus went down to Nazareth after he had been in the temple as a 12-year-old, he was obedient to his parents, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, Joseph and Mary poured their lives into their son Jesus, who grew in every way. 
Or Proverbs 22, we're instructed to train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of Paul's disciples, Timothy, uh, Paul wrote to him, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Grandma and mom poured into Timothy's life. And then, of course, in Deuteronomy, in the Shema, we read, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Consider that um, the church, like ours, will have maybe one or two hours of the 168 hours during the week to invest in your children and grandchildren. The majority of the investment takes place in the home. Children are most influenced by their parents. So the biblical home is a place for investing your spiritual training in your, in your children. Secondly, the biblical home is a center for ministry. It's a place where we can practice our gifts, especially hospitality. Last week, a covenant leader from Chicago, actually lives in California, but he works for our headquarters in Chicago in the Evangelical Covenant Church. He came and, and I was reacquainted with him after 30 years. We're both in youth ministry together. But he's a California dude, raised as a surfer dude. And so I jokingly, I said, so, how's Tom Hanks doing? He said, well, actually, pretty good. He was raised in our church. I said, what? I knew he had some covenant connections, but Craig Gamelgard, my friend, who Lynn and I ate with, um, he and three, four of his friends all went to youth group with Tom Hanks, who was a Hollywood actor. And actually, he said Tom Hanks was a spiritual influence on my life. He was sold out for Jesus during those days. And he really influenced my life and the friends of four of my, four of my buddies who are now covenant pastors. In fact, uh, Tom Hanks would come over to my house often. He came from a single-parent home. He had a, a, his mother at home and he and his mother. He'd come over, and my mother would cook for him all the time. He loved my mother, Mrs. Gamelgard. And in fact, in three movies, no, two movies and one sitcom, Tom Hanks referred to Mrs. Gamelgard as one of the characters, like uh, the secretary at my school, Mrs. Gamelgard. And so Craig said, I wrote to Tom Hanks and said, don't I deserve some sort of payback here? So I got some, he got like a video and different things like this, but. I, I say that to say that Mrs. Gamelgard invested in Tom Hanks, as well as many other children. She practiced the gift of hospitality. Well, Jesus sent out his disciples on a mission trip, and in Matthew 10 we read, Whatever town or village you enter, Jesus instructed, search there for some worthy person and stay at the house until you leave. Hospitality. Luke 19. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. Which was a term of endearment and intimacy. I'm going to eat with you today. Luke 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. And they would often go into the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. 
And we'll one day, we will one day be held accountable for how we use this, this gift that God has given to us in our home. Matthew 25, for I was hungry, Jesus said, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me, etc. That's how we'll be judged one day. Not whether we'll be in heaven or not, but for our faithfulness as children of God. The early church, they would uh, scoop up diseased bodies along the side of the road after worldwide pandemics. We can read this in Christian history. And they would risk everything during pandemics. They'd scoop up these, these baby girls who were left behind because girls were not as great, of great value back then for some, especially in the Greco-Roman world. And they'd find them in the dump and they'd take them home. Or they would scoop up diseased loved ones and family members who were just left behind as others escaped the pandemic or wartime. Christians would do this, invite them into their homes. And this is how the early church grew and exploded because of the compassion of Jesus. And you, you might be thinking, man, I can't do that. That's too much risk. Well, I'm thinking, well, let's risk at maybe inviting a brother or sister in Christ over to have a meal. Someone from our church, maybe. Let's start there. And then maybe we, we can work our way up. So the biblical home is a place for ministry. And then finally, the biblical home is a place of refuge. When the Passover took place in Egypt, you know, the angel of death came over and, and the Jews were instructed, the Israelites were instructed to put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts and remain inside their homes and they were protected. Isaiah 32, God promises, my people live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest, as they look to me. John 19, when Jesus saw his mother there, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down and he saw his mother, and he saw his beloved disciple, John, and he said, Woman, here is your son. And to his disciple, John, he said, Here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. This disciple who wandered for three years with Jesus, he was instructed to return home, take my mother in and care for her. Just want to conclude with one more thought. How about the house of God here? Why not just stay home and have your devotions with Jesus? Open up your Bible on your most comfortable chair and just spend time with Jesus. Or flip on the TV, find your favorite TV preacher and stay there. Why the house of God? Well, you know this, because God created us to be together, to invest in one another. In fact, there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament alone, like love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves. When God came to earth in the form of a human, he came to live with us face to face, incarnationally, God with us. He could have sent messages through angels and through dreams and visions, but he came to be with us. When he called his disciples, he asked them to come and follow him, and for 24-7, they remained together. It wasn't like, hey, meet me on Monday morning and we'll go over an hour lesson, guys. No, he, he remained with them. God created us to be together. The early church 
was uh, commanded to commit to one another as well. In Acts chapter 2, we see evidence. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the third reason for the home, the house of God, is to be together. Um, That'd be the fourth reason, I guess. But um, during the, I just read a recent Gallup poll, and here's an image of what I read. You probably can't see that, but by the asterisk there, it it talks about um, religious service attendance during the year of pandemic. And they compared 2019 to 2020 in regards to the mental health of us. And so this poll, and it looked at all sorts of categories in mental health, very detailed. And this is what they came up with. For those who never committed to remain together in a religious institution, whether it be in person or even online, then their mental health went down by 13 percentage points. For those who came maybe once a month irregularly to a church like this or or connected online personally, their mental health went down 12% from 2019 to 2020. But for those who connected on a regular basis weekly, they actually were positive 4% in their mental health after the year of pandemic. God created us to be together. Therefore, he, he's given us houses of God like this, that we might commit to one another, love one another, and be devoted to one another. So that's my message today. As I said, it's just half the length. The other half, I'm going to invite up the, uh, the, the staff or, or those who are spearheading the tiny home project or the, the cottages. Um, what, what cottage did you say was? Come on up, everyone. And I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell, you, uh, tell uh, the congregation what your role is um, because we know it's important that we provide shelter for refuge, for training, for... I'll, I'll take this, okay. and then you can sit on one of those. Go ahead and have a seat. Hello, hello. Yeah, is Don here? Here's Don. All right. Okay, I'm going to first start and introduce to you. I'm going to do this. So others can see. Um, this is a huge, huge deal. And this ministry began as a result of McPherson Housing Coalition. Um, and in fact, three, four, three of these folks are members from our church. I'm not sure where you go. But I want to introduce yourselves um, to everyone and, and share the role that you have in this home project. Hi, I'm Chris Goodson. Um, I'm actually the executive director of McPherson Housing Coalition, and um, I'm kind of the one who originally dreamed this up. Um, I felt God had a pull on me and had a vision for a piece of ground we had. And so with these people here, that's how this started. So my name is Carolyn Moore. I'm a case manager, caseworker at Housing Coalition, and I work with our clients. I'm Jamie O'Dell, and Chris calls me co-coordinator. I'm not sure what I'm coordinating, except us getting together every once in a while and keep keeping things going. I'm Don Bland, and I'm the project manager. And for the last few months, I've been putting this plan on paper, getting the plans drawn, 
and reaching out to the community for partnering with us to put this together down on South Oak. We've had a lot of response, a lot of help. Um, I get to meet new contractors. I get to meet, I get to renew old relationships with contractors I had years ago. I'm having a lot of fun. We get response from our emails. I want to help. I've got an uh, electrician. I've got a plumber that want to pull the permits. They want to work with us. We've got material, rafters. We've got foundations. It's coming together. We have a long way to go, but uh, it's exciting. Every day the Lord leads a new name to me or somebody calls me. Um, we come up with an idea and see if we can make it work. Um, so if any of you want a partner or want a, more information, please give us a call. We have, uh, I call them storyboards out there in the lobby, brochures. Um, feel free to uh, help yourself to those and uh, give us a call. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Don answered my fifth question. So thank you, Don. <laughs> um, uh, so... Why, why do we need, Chris, the, why do we need tiny homes in, in McPherson? What's the purpose for this? Well, right now we need tiny homes because right now, believe it or not, there's almost 600 children in McPherson County who live in poverty. 600 children, can you imagine? And they're not all in the city of McPherson. Over 500 of them are here. But we have families in crisis on a regular basis who don't have a place to sleep they're living in hotels, in cars, um, couch surfing with their grandparents, causing stress all over the community. It's, and we do have a program to help these families, but what we figured out was we can't get them in a place quick enough. So if somebody's living in a car, we've had to leave them there before. If somebody's living on somebody's couch and it's not a great situation, we've had to leave them there before. So these houses will actually allow us to put somebody in a home pretty quickly and then surround them with services, including social services, that will allow us to figure out what they need to be successful and then move them out into the community. Awesome. And, and so uh, how's God provided? Well, but before that, who will be qualified to live in, in these homes? Okay, so these tiny homes are going to first be aimed at um, parents with children in the home. That'll be our first priority. Second priority will be the elderly. And then third priority will be all other individuals. And how long will one be able to reside in a home like this? So that will really depend on what they need. Um, if you have somebody that comes in, they're completely homeless. Do they have custody issues? Is there mental health issues? Um, how are they physically doing? Do they have health issues that go with that? Um, so those needs will be assessed. And then if we have somebody that comes in that, they're good. They just need a house. They just need another opportunity to have a place to call home. We'll move them fairly quickly into permanent housing in McPherson. But for somebody that has a large amount of needs, um, they could live in these tiny homes for three months. After that, we are required by our grant to move them into permanent housing. But that three months can make all the difference in somebody's life in figuring out exactly where you need to meet their needs. How do we know that um, these homes uh, won't deteriorate into like drug homes or, or um, whatever? So. 
So we will have um, people that live on site. I believe they're here with us today. Larry and Reba so Purcell. So they want to stand up. They're actually going to be our parents that will live on site and make sure that the property is being taken care of. They'll do the maintenance. They'll be on site to make sure that things are done properly. Obviously, we'll have rules to make sure things will be done correctly. And we want to make sure this needs to be something wonderful for the community, not something that's dark and, and becomes a police state or, or the, that type of thing. So we're really excited. Um, our grant will actually pay for all the maintenance for our property, as well as staffing, as well as paying for the utilities and all the things that we need for this community. So we just got to get them built. Okay, awesome. Um, how, how have you seen God provide? How, how has he revealed that this is a God thing as opposed to a human effort? Chris asked me to pray with her three years ago. And so we've been doing that since then. Can you hold, your, hold it way up there? I can hold it closer. Yeah. I should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris asked me to pray three years ago over this land and how to develop it. And when she said, last fall, last summer, she said, I think it's time. We need to start moving, but we need people. We need a contractor who knows what he's doing, who has built homes. We need volunteers. We need money. And so um, I've known Don, how long? 30 years? Probably 30 years. I'm an interior designer, and he has done work for me, for my clients, and he's fabulous at detail. And I said, I think I know the man. And so she talked to him, and he's, he took a little while to hear God, but, um, but he, he agreed that it was necessary. And when he jumped in, it's been really amazing. Um, and right after we said, hey, we're going to start this project, we got an anonymous donor who donated 30000 $34,000. And to me, that was a confirmation because at the time, that would build half a house. And um, I've, I asked him to show me the ways that he's been working. And it's been amazing. People are stepping up to the plate. We have three, possibly five churches who said they want to build a home. That's build a home. Provide the stuff to build a home. And it's been amazing to watch God work in that respect. And I know, Don, you've seen ways that God has provided as well. Amazing stories. Can, go ahead and I need take the mic. Don. Hey, Don, <laughs> you need the mic. Oh, <laughs> I would need another five minutes to tell you about them because every day the door opens or a phone call comes in. I meet somebody who says, we want to help. Uh, we would love to make it our mission to come and work on your project because we can't go to Haiti the Dominican Republic, can we be a part of it? Oh, thank you, Jesus, yes. And so I've got roofers, framers um, that want to help. I'm excited about it. And uh, there's more stories, and I'm sure more will come, down, come our way as this begins. So it lets me know that God is in this. There's no doubt at all. So I'm stuck here with these ladies. No, I'm not stuck here. I'm with these ladies to make the, the dream come true. And um, we've even got food donated for snacks and ice cream donated for, cool, for the winter or summer heat. So if you want to volunteer, there's some ice cream coming to you on, on those days. 
Okay. Okay, Chris. And then uh, yes. one last question before we wrap it up. It goes quick, doesn't it? Yes. Um, uh, when will this project, when, we, when can we expect to be building our first home? So we'd really like to start soon. We're looking at probably late spring, early summer before we start. We have some things that have to happen on the lot, some piping that has to be removed, and they've decided to put a new whole sewer system in that area that um, is like 100 years old, and they thought, well, maybe this is time to replace that. So, yeah, yeah so soon, really soon. So pay attention. Go to our Facebook page, our McPhersonHousingCoalition.org is our website. We try to update that stuff as much as we can. So, yeah, we'll follow along. If nothing else, just follow along. And we really, if nothing else, just pray for us. Um, we really... We really need those prayers coming our way. Yeah. Well, we look forward not only to pray, pray for you, which is the most important thing, but to partner to give some sweat equity as well. Uh, we, it's been so exciting to see how God has just opened door after door. You know, when God is moving, when he's working, then he opens the doors. You don't have to push. You don't have to scratch the chalkboard to make things happen. You know, he just does so and confirms that in so many different ways. And, and I'm thrilled that many of the people who had this vision uh, come from this congregation. So I'm a, like a proud dad here, you know, saying, yeah. <laughs> and there are still others too, right, yep. Yep. from this congregation who have really pitched in um, and who are very excited and passionate about this uh, to fulfill a very real need in our community. One last question, Chris. Yes. Um, <clears throat> A brief one-minute one synopsis of how Mount, uh, McPherson Housing Coalition started and why. So McPherson Housing Coalition started because a group of us saw a need in the community with housing issues. Um, there was a family actually that belonged to this church that um, was evicted from their property of no fault of their own. And we tried to help them get a place to live and it didn't happen. So we finally realized, we said, God, what are we going to do here? This isn't right. We have to work on this. We have to figure this out. Every person deserves a place to live. Every single person deserves a place to live and to put their head at night and to call home. We believe that this is our mission field right here in McPherson County, Kansas. This is our mission field. Amen. Amen. And so God began a work like 13, 12 years ago. And um, Brush Up Mac, by the way, is under the umbrella of McPherson Housing Coalition. And Chris's background is that of a real estate appraiser, right? Yeah, and and uh, when I first called Chris about this need in our church, he said, no problem. He said, problem, after a while. And then this is what was the beginning of this ministry, which is now being fulfilled in, in the Oak Harbor. Harbor Cottages. That's what they're called. All right. Well, let me pray. Uh, thank you, Lord, for these wonderful sisters and, and brother up here and also... Larry and Reba and all the others who are involved in this, Lord, we ask God for your hand of, of blessing on each person and all the plans. But we ask God that you give us ears to hear you, Lord, that we walk in your ways, that we don't run ahead of you, that we don't lag behind you, but that we walk by the Spirit and allow you just to unfold your plans that we may uh, be obedient Lord, may this ministry not only build homes, but it, may it change families who are in crisis, families who are hopeless. May they come to know you, the hope of this world, I pray, through this ministry. In Christ's name, amen.